Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Turkey, mac and cheese. Stuffing. Stuffing. What is stuffing? It's mostly called dressing. It's called dressing. What is stuffing? Mac and cheese. Say the potatoes got to go. Mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, well. Deuce. Stuffing. Stuffing's got to go. Stuffing's got to go. Stuffing can stay. Everything got to go. Stuffing. Oh, we're going to stuffing. Stuffing gone. Mac and cheese. Oh, turkey. Turkey all the way. I'm throwing stuffing out. Potatoes. Turkey. You're gonna be mad at me for this. Turkey. Potatoes. <laughs> Potatoes. <laughs> oh, stuffing. That's the easiest one. Turkey's overrated. Turkey is overrated. But, but stuffing, stuffing is trash. Mac and cheese. Stuffing. What? Stuffing. Gone. Hey, fuck. You gotta go. Party. Stuffing. Have they lost their minds? I I think they how, have. How do the the two most important things that make Thanksgiving dinner Thanksgiving These dinner are the kids. ones to go. Stuffing and turkey. It's not Thanksgiving, fellas, without stuffing and turkey. You can have mashed potatoes and mac and cheese all year round. That's 365 days. 366 in the leap year. Mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. They pop up everywhere. You never see turkey and stuffing. Or dressing, or whatever you want to it's call really it. It's really the only That's day of the, the year. Part yeah. of it. Yeah, I'm with you. Stuffing. And maybe, 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 maybe Christmas, maybe yeah, Easter, right, depending right. upon what your culinary yeah, sure, preferences sure. are. But right. yeah, turkey and stuffing are indispensable to Thanksgiving dinner. I, I'm, I'm. They sh- are Thanksgiving dinner. I'm shocked. Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm surprised. Like I can understand people not loving turkey. Like I, I, I get that. I, I like it. I eat it actually a decent amount, you know, turkey sandwich during the week for lunch, all of that. Uh, I love the mashed potatoes, but man, stuffing and turkey is, I, I mean, that you're right. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm most excited about a little turkey, little stuffing, put a little mashed potatoes on it and down the hatchet it goes. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm pumped for. Yeah, so the one Not I the can hatchet, the hatchet, the hatch, the hatchet, whatever. 
Uh, catch it. What's a couple <laughs> extra letters among friends? Uh, yeah, and a totally different meaning of a word uh, altogether. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the one, I mean, mac and cheese is the one I could deal with without, like, Thanksgiving. I, I still don't look at that as a Thanksgiving food, nor is that a food that I love on any day of the year anyways. Mac and cheese is just not my thing. It never right, has Matthew been. Judon. Yeah. Yeah. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is awesome, and it can be made so many different ways. I made my mom's recipe last year. Oh, I made we know. The mistake of putting a photo of it on Twitter. I'm sure it'll show up at some point. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I went to visit my sister after my great nephew was born, and she always makes my mom's mac and cheese whenever I'm around, or more importantly, my son. My son loves it. And my sister makes it exactly the way my mom did. And let me tell you something. If you saw a photo of my sister's exact replica of my mom's mac and cheese, it, it would have been 100 times worse than, than the photo of mine. Just I'll, I'll leave Why? it at that. Because she burns but the top a little bit more? Or what, what is it's it? It's black. Yeah, it's okay. It's black. It's, it's probably carcinogenic. It is that times a hundred it's black and it's awesome and everything under it is soft and gooey and the cheese and the macaroni and everything comes together but the 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 burnt top is what makes it it's worse than that it's much worse than that and it's much better than that at the same time and again that's what i ate growing up my maybe my mom you know you probably should have taken out of the oven a little sooner i don't know but it was you get used to it and you love it so that's uh, that's the way it goes. Um, that's oh, part of the that'll be part of your your Thanksgiving th- meal. Preview. Yeah. Well, that'll be part of your that. Thanksgiving yeah. meal, though. Do you guys do mac and cheese always? No, on I'm not making it. No, you're not doing it. I, I'm not. I'm not making it again this year. No, no. It was too much work, and I didn't get it. I didn't get it as burned as I wanted to. So I'm just not going to do it. I got other things. What about your sister? Not, She's not, not coming not to town that. for this this holiday or anything. She won't. She won't dive no, in there and m- maybe. Maybe maybe Christmas, but no, not for Thanksgiving. Okay, so, all right. Anyway. Who's cooking? You're doing um, it at your house. PF- let, let me let me tell everybody what the show is first. It's okay. PFT Live, presented <laughs> by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. I have to say, presented by Google Pixel. We don't get paid for today, Chris. So okay. let me get that out. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, we'll have we'll have people at our house. I mean, we're still kind of in the the post pandemic. Where should we really do this inside, outside? It's going to be sixty degrees here tomorrow. Oh, maybe we'll just all sit outside. So. But oh. we, we've got we've we've got some you know some older folks that we want to keep alive. That uh, I, I understand as long that. as possible, and I those are you. the ones who who are in the uh, the still in the I range you. of you know you never know what's going to happen if right. you get it. So uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. But I I, I I I always struggle with the entire idea of all that food and what's the strategy. And I always try to have a good strategy Yeah, until the food's out there. It's like Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Everybody's got a plan for Thanksgiving until they start filling their face with food. I I, I try to do multiple, because I know I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back at least once, maybe twice. All right, well, first off. So I try to do a reasonable plate. What time you eat? I don't know. Two o'clock. I think it's two. Two. I don't know why? Damn, that's two. amazing. Yeah. All right. Wait. So give me the yeah. the least people do that, right? They do. Most are early. The the definitely. Yeah, we're we're definitely late on this. The sim So give me the lead up though. 
How do you – this is where I always struggle. How do you plan on the eating beforehand? Like, do you eat You eat breakfast nothing. in the morning? You nothing. Don't do no, you do nothing. Fast. Wow. Fasting. Wow. Coffee and maybe a Ritz cracker, if that much. Nothing. I'm, 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 or, or something very light. Right. Something very light. And I'll try to get, I'll try to get my workout in because that gives you just the extra little justification, right? <laughs> I, got, I got my hour on the bike, so I, I'm good to go. Do all that in the morning and then, you know, help, help Jill as much as I can. Just enough so I can say I help. There's just enough. Just enough so I can check the box. Not too much. I got other things to do. I got to work. I got a business to run. We got three NFL games tomorrow. So hey, well, yeah. What could you do anyways that really could help check the box anyways? So what do you what do you do? Go in there and stick your finger in one of the foods and go. That sounds that tastes good. Good job, Jill. (laughs) Put the rolls in the oven. Take the rolls out of the oven. Okay. Corn. That's easy. All right. Things I can do. Okay. are, Are useful. Carry stuff from downstairs, upstairs, or upstairs, downstairs, depending upon where we're eating. And, you know, maybe run to the store for some last-minute things. I'll go out to the store today once we're clear of our of our Megapix podcast, which is done on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday, which really screws me up. But, but then it comes down to the actual strategy for the consumption of the food. And I will, as I was saying, try to go with, like, a light plate. And actually, they say, you know, like you use a physically smaller plate. You know, so you you because I, I I used to do that plate with like all that like stuff's falling over the top like the Grinch's sleigh like hey I only had one plate yeah, and it was piled up that high so I like to keep my food segregated I, I don't like only eat the turkey then only eat the stuffing that but I like to keep them separated yeah I like to keep them apart I don't like them mixing together so I and I I don't want to overdo it so I can go back without guilt and I can go back again and each time there's a little bit less. And a little bit less. And I usually never go back for more than that that third plate. But it's, you know, a decent plate and then a little bit less and a little bit less. And then I try to push myself away and go watch football. So that that's the plan for tomorrow. Because I don't want to get on the scale on Saturday and be seven pounds heavier. That's the goal. Well, don't worry about it. Who cares? It's, it's the one day it's allowed. Just go for it. You got an extra day. You know, you get Friday, you get another workout in. You'll cut half of it off. You'll be okay. It definitely will. I can't believe you fast. That's the hardest thing. I can't figure that. I got to have a little breakfast. We do eat well, later in the day. So that's another issue. Okay. It's harder for giants to fast. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Yes. But a light breakfast, light breakfast. And then, like I told you, I am going to do like, there will be some chips and dip and some celery and dip and things like that. But we're like, we're a family that you eat at two o'clock. I, I'm I'm not lying here, Mike. We're, we'll be lucky if we sit down by five in our house. Last year, well, because you, you got because Phil Phil's working. Well, Phil's working, but even even if not, it doesn't matter. Like so, he's doing the earlier game this year, right? So he should be back at a decent time. But it's the rest of my family, so we'll see where that goes too. Last year, I mean, my sister and her side of the, you know her kids and all they didn't show up till five o'clock. I was like, damn, Thanksgiving's over in a few hours. I mean, we're gonna be leaving here soon. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, the, the balance of eating beforehand is something I always struggle with because we eat so late, and I'm starved usually by, like, 3.30. I guess the whole idea of the early afternoon meal is then everybody kind of hangs around and sits around and 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 uh, is together. Yeah. Even though, right. you know, for some families that's very awkward and you get into political conversations and maybe it would be better if we just all ate and went home. 
But that's kind of the thinking. You spend the rest of the day, you know, drinking coffee, having dessert, just and then and then at around six o'clock, you forage for whatever still may be around. Uh, I, I will. I also will do this. No matter how hard I try, I will fall asleep at some point. Yeah. After the meal. Yeah. No matter how hard I try. And there have been times where I was like, hey, you know what? I feel pretty good today. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make it. And and you just you rest your head back a little bit, and that's it. Lights out. Even if it's only for a half hour, I will fall asleep at some point tomorrow, like early in the Cowboys game. It's it's clockwork. I hear you. It's unavoidable. I've accepted it. And then they'll take a picture of me. And you know, you know they do stuff to it, and yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, but but that's fine. I know it's going to happen. So what can I do? Yeah. Sometimes I'll actually be completely antisocial. This may shock you, and leave and go sleep on a bed for an hour. Uh, I'm like, not shocked at all. You would be that me. guy. You would be that guy. Hey, hold on. I'm going to leave for a second, and then you go take a nap. <laughs> that would be you. I could picture you doing that. I, I, but like falling asleep on Thanksgiving, it's almost inevitable. I usually can make it last a little later. I'm usually the – I'm like, I'm going to doze off somewhere early in the Vikings-Patriots game where I might fall asleep somewhere halfway through the first quarter and, you know, wake up halfway through the second quarter and be like, oh, okay, I feel good and be good from there. That's usually how it kind of hits me. I'll see by evening I'm fine. I get it out of my system usually by halftime of the Cowboys game, whoever they're playing, and then I watch the second half of the game, and then it's barn time, and I'm good to go by tomorrow night. Tomorrow night will be – at a minimum, barn time is what and drinks and we get the cigars start to come out and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. good. Yes. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it'll be at least my son and I. And I don't know that anybody else is going to try to deal with this while we're watching the Patriots curb stop. The Vikings <laughs> oh, don't you night. worry. Probably, I will. Right. I'm going <laughs> to FaceTime in. Hey. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna. All right, uh, all right. Let's do it. Let's talk football. <laughs> we've, uh, it's uh, yeah. It's already quarter after seven Eastern, and the show is PFT Live again, presented by Google Pix. So I know we don't get a second check for saying it again. Damn, I'm just in a holiday Be spirit. Nice. Hello to our audience watching the show on Peacock, Sirius XM eighty five, Sky Sports NFL, where they don't have Thanksgiving. They're pissed that they're not going to see our show Thursday and Friday because it's not a holiday for them. Well, hey, folks, we do the show on your holidays, so lay off of us when it's our (laughs) holiday. Hello to the podcast audience as well. Let's get to it. And I I posted yesterday echoing what we observed on the program. We got a pretty great slate of Thanksgiving games, and I'm not just saying that to placate our overlords at 345 Park Avenue. It's a great freaking slate. And all these people are like, oh, they're all going to be blowouts. Look, five of these six teams are in the PFT Power Rankings top ten. The Lions have won three in a row. Usually there is one or more teams among those six that is ass by the time we get to late November. Right. We got five great teams and another team that is coming up on the outside like Rich Strike. So... Don't complain, people. We got three great games tomorrow. Those are three great games. Well, I'm not promising that they're going to be thrilling finishes, but these are great games going in, great teams with great records going in, and a team hosting that is always a little feisty. Not always. There are days when they get blown off the field, but they've won three in a row. So I like these games. Let's start with Bills-Lions. Yeah, I like them too. I I mean, I think the Bills-Lions has the chance to be like an extremely exciting football game. I mean, you know, you, you first off, we know the Lions' defense is nothing special. We get that. 
You know, the Bills, explosive as they are on that side of the ball, throwing the football, can they run and replicate what they did last week to the Cleveland Browns on the, game, on the ground? That's going to be something to watch for, even going forward for the Buffalo Bills. I don't know. i got to see it another time to believe it. You know, it's Cleveland. Everybody runs on Cleveland. So that's where I'd like to see one more, you know, game of, okay, wait, downhill running James Cook and, and Devin Singletary and see if that can truly be a part of the DNA of this offense altogether. I hope so. I think it's one of the things we both liked about the game last weekend is it wasn't so all on Josh Allen. So that's going to be one of the big questions of the football game. But the other side of that is the exact same question, Mike. I mean, Buffalo, again, are we, can, they, can they stop an offense in Detroit that can run the ball, has good balance, can pass and expo- be explosive in the pass game? Uh, a Buffalo defense that has not been dominant here as of late by any stretch of the imagination? That's kind of where I see this game can be a lot of fun. We can have a lot of points scored, man. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. What do you think? How do you kind of see it? Yeah, I the Lions, I think, have pivoted from what we saw earlier in the year to more of the kneecap biting, grind it out. Even though they scored 31 points against the Giants, it wasn't Jared Goff throwing the ball all over the place. And Jamal Williams has become this touchdown machine, even as they have a committee in the backfield. He's the one they rely on when they get near the goal line. Aiden Hutchinson was great last week, first rookie since... Leslie O'Neill to have at least five sacks and two interceptions in his first 10 games. He had that great play. I was watching that earlier today where he, you know, he, he acts like he's rushing, drops into coverage, makes the pick on second it's and a great six. Play. He really sparks the game. The, the Lions taking over the game. It yeah. was 6-3 Giants at the time, about six minutes left in the first half. The guy's been great this year. And the Lions, it, it, at one and six, it felt like the, the buzzards were circling again. It was just a matter of time before Dan Campbell was going to be out. Another regime change that the Lions ownership doesn't give enough time to work. Now it's starting to work. And, you know, with, with the Bills, I felt like early in the game, and I think you sensed this too against the Browns, they just felt off after everything that they went yes, through. Yes, yes. And maybe Josh Allen's elbow is bothering him a little bit more than, than they let on. But, I mean, he still can throw the ball. It just He just hasn't seemed like himself. So, yeah, lean on James Cook and Devin Singletary. I think they both had just south of 90 rushing yards right. each in the game against the Cleveland Browns. So, um, it became methodical, and they pulled away. And, you know, I think the Browns pulled off the backdoor cover, but it, it wasn't as close as the final score suggested. So I think the Bills are okay. And I think back to what Deion Dawkins told me after the game, that they feel like it's a home game for them because it's the exact same routine that they went through this weekend. I mean, think about that. You turn around just a few days later. You go back and stay in the same hotel. You're in the same locker room. You're on the same sideline. Everything's the same, the same, the same. The crowd's not going to be the same, obviously. It's going to be No, that'll be different for sure. Crowd. Right. But I, I suspect I suspect some of those Bills fans are going to infiltrate Ford Field. I they probably probably got their hands on some tickets earlier in the year when the Lions fans were more than happy to sell when the team was one and six. So I have a feeling Bills Mafia will be fairly well represented in that game. But yeah, I, I'm I mean, I'm hoping for an exciting game across the board. So that's my bias. I'm going to I'm not going to yeah, you know, nine and a half points. I'm I'm going to pick the underdogs probably to cover in every one of these games. I'm probably going to try to thread the needle in all three of them. We'll see. Although there's one underdog that I'm I'm probably going to pick to win straight out. And you know which one I'm talking about. But 
um, I, I, I look at that nine and a half point spread. And it's like, God, I hope it's not like that. I hope it's a close game. I hope it's an exciting finish. I hope people have to pause their meals to see what happens on the final drive in regulation or maybe even overtime. Three games, maybe we get one of them in overtime. But I, I think the Lions will give them everything they can handle because the Lions are in that mode right now. And the Bills are reestablishing themselves. And, you know, that short week changes everything, too. How do you make use of those three days? It's compressed time. What coaching staff can get more out of it yeah. and use that to their advantage in that game that's played on a Thursday? And we usually see one Thursday, and we're going to see it three different times. And, and we'll see. I think that's something to watch in every game. Who can really find that edge that may make the difference? Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, the, the nine and a half points, is, it is a lot. But but also at the same time, with like the Buffalo Bills, that's what's crazy is, you know, we – it could be a, they could win by ten points and the game could be close. We could we could see the game twenty seven twenty four. You know, late three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, Buffalo scores. They win by ten. So that's where you know you look at the spread sometimes and go, oh, it doesn't always mean it's a, a blowout. Uh, but but you know, I could see it going that way. I could see it going the way of like, oh wait, Buffalo's got to go down and score here to win the football game in general. I, I wouldn't be shocked either way. You know, Detroit's defense has gotten better here as of late. They definitely have. And we know that Buffalo, the run game, that's going to be something to watch for because if they can't, now Detroit can just kind of play pass defense and slow the Bills down that way. We've seen some teams do that. And then you talked about that stable of running backs there, you know, with Detroit. Detroit's got very good balance. You know, last week, the Bills went all in on stopping the Cleveland run game. And that led to Jacoby Brissett making a lot of big plays in the past game. And like you said, early on, him and Amari Cooper, they were kind of going up and down the field on Buffalo, really controlling the football game. I mean, it was they dropped two touchdown passes. They could have gone up, if I remember, 14 nothing, uh, something in that range. They dropped a touchdown pass on second and third down. Then the next drive, Jacoby Brissett fumbled the snap. So that score was a little misleading. And what I'll say, too, with Detroit, where they're a little different than Cleveland is, Mike, like – uh, Detroit ties their stuff together well. They're very good at, hey, we're running this play. We're running this play. Hey, here's that fake of that run. Here's a play-action pass that looks just like it. Uh-oh, now you're in trouble. And you add that with you know, some of the uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown going across the field and all that. That's where I look at them being able to maybe put Buffalo's defense, which is reeling as of late, in some tough binds here, let alone something you and I talk about, right, a, a lot. And, and you're amazing with the, the pasta and meatballs and, for this occasion, turkey and mashed potatoes. It's just they got a little confidence going in there, Detroit. I mean, wow. They got a chance here to win this game and go home and be like, Holy shit balls. We're five and six. We're like kind of in this thing a little bit. By the way, by the way. Yeah. By the way, that thing you just said will not be on the, uh, the menu for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't. They shouldn't leave it, out. Leave it yeah. off. <laughs> no, it's not no. a good one. <laughs> but, but that's where, you know, I, could, I, I don't know, Mike. There's a part of me that looks at this game and go, like, when people say it's going to be a blowout, I just go, I have a hard time thinking – Buffalo is just going to do whatever they want against this football team. <laughs> I'm glad I made you laugh this morning. I'm just picturing, uh, picturing you know, as you're working through the buffet line, there it is. <laughs> oh, my, man, the I don't spoon, have the taste for that today. The spoon never moves. <laughs> the spoon never moves from its original position. Um, I, look, everybody's just handing the NFC North crown to the Vikings. They're 8-2. They lose tomorrow, they're 8-3. They got the Jets coming to town. 
Jets are good enough to go in there and beat them. Eight and four. Um, if the Lions win this one, they'll be five and six. Right. They got the Jaguars at home. Right. They need some four. help, you know but they could make town? some things. You know who happen. comes to town? Right. You know who comes to town week fourteen? Who's that? If the, if the if if the Lions could win this game and get to five and six, if they can do it, and they can't, mm-hmm. and then they beat the Jaguars and get to six and six. Right. Week fourteen, the Vikings come to town. Yeah. And it could be eight and four Vikings, six and six Lions, with the Lions having a chance to go to seven and six and drop the Vikings to eight and five, and then it's game on. Very interesting the rest of the way. And when you look at the Lions schedule after that, they're at the Jets, which won't be easy. They have the Panthers on the road, and then they finish with a visit from the Bears and a trip to Green Bay, and who knows what Green Bay is going to be playing for That's right. week 18 other than spoiler. Wouldn't that be something if the Packers are playing the role of spoiler against the Lions week 18? But th- this is, of, of the three teams right now in the NFC North, the Lions are in the best position to chase the Vikings, and it starts with beating the Bills. And if they if they lose to the Bills, it becomes much more difficult. This is critical for them. I, I've been it's saying critical. all along, the no, this begins is. for the Packers yeah. on Sunday night. I'd say the postseason – postseason began for the Lions three weeks ago against the Packers, and they won. Then they won in Chicago. Then they beat the Giants in Detroit, and that's or in New York, and that gets everyone's attention. This is the this is the key. If they really want to turn this into a playoff run, this is the key tomorrow against the Bills. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's, that's kind of as I was, you know, kind of just sitting down looking at the matchup last night. You just you kind of went through it, and we're like, man, I mean, Detroit's really not out of this. Just beat the Giants head to head. The Giants certainly could lose. You know, on Thanksgiving, we talked about yesterday the Giants' schedule coming up. It's not easy to where they could lose a fo- few football games. You look at Seattle at six and four. You know, you sit there and go, "Yeah, they're six and four, But man, would I be shocked if we were sitting here a few weeks from now and Seattle was six and six or seven and six or something like that? No, I would not. And again, we saw Detroit and Seattle have a great back and forth game earlier this year, right? Where it was very even that way. So it's not out of the and you know out of the uh, the what any stretch of the imagination realm here. Of possibility. Realm of possibility is the word I was looking for. Very well done. Thank you for being inside my brain there. And we'll see. But they do got a little mojo about them right now. And you know you hope maybe Buffalo that this fun, you hope if you're Detroit that at Buffalo wait they only got to practice one day last week maybe they're still out of sorts we catch them off guard a little bit you know but the big thing is you know can can Detroit's defense just especially early on kind of control the onslaught of what we see Buffalo do to a lot of teams where they just come out and Allen's making plays and all of a sudden teams look up and go, Oh no, we're down 17, three, we're down 20 to three. And that's what I worry about with them a little bit. Uh, But I think that's where their run game is going to come in real handy uh, for, for them to kind of control Josh Allen and, and that side of the ball a little bit. And you make a great point, too, about the other path the Lions may have to the postseason. It's not just catch the Vikings. They could catch the seven seed. Right. They could steal one of these right. wild cards. If the Giants sink and they rise and the Seahawks also struggle down the stretch, there's an opening there. Uh, and the Commanders are still in that mix, too. Yeah, I mean, they there, are. There's a chance sure. that both the Commanders and the Giants fall out. We'll see. Those NFC East teams are still going to cannibalize each other on multiple occasions down the stretch. All right, speaking of the NFC East, Giants 7-3, and three, Cowboys 7-3, and three, Dallas 9-point favorite at home. Your New York Giants 
going in to try to turn things around after the disappointing home loss and the way this season is gone, right? We're all going to think the Cowboys are going to win. Look at the Cowboys team we saw on Sunday. Look how good they are. Look how dominant they were. We know that things can flip around like that. We see it all the time. We believe that what we have seen most recently is going to continue indefinitely. And then the Giants roll in and they play the Cowboys close and maybe they can steal one from them. That's why I look at that nine points, Chris. And I I think in both of these games, I'm probably going to pick the favorite to win, but the underdog to cover because I think these spreads are too big. And I think the Giants are going to play them tough. And I think that Brian Dayball has been all over them for losing at home to the Lions a game that they should have won, a game that they needed to win to continue to be in that spot that they've occupied all year where it feels like they have the shine of a playoff team. So I I, I, I believe in the Giants. I think the Giants are going are gonna to wipe it. You know, the Vikings got to wipe a bad taste out of their mouth from losing to the Cowboys the way they did. The Giants have to wipe the bad taste out of their mouth from losing to the Lions the way they did. No, no, no question. I mean, yes. Uh, you know, again, they just they, they left their their formula of what's made them successful as a football team, right, Mike? I mean, all the things that we've talked about that, you know, have helped them through the winning streak, it was kind of opposites day last Sunday versus the Detroit Lions. The Lions were doing things that kind of the Giants have done to, to teams all year long. You know, long drives, control the clock running the football, you know, create that one or two turnovers just to give them the extra advantage there. So that was not the Giants football we saw. And that's, as we've talked about a lot, the Giants just aren't good enough to make some of those mistakes and win football games. It's just, you know, plain and simple. there's, There's nothing more to it. Daniel Jones, the two interceptions, you know, the first one was bad. It was a great play by Aiden Hutchinson. That hurt the Giants. You talked off. That was a jump-off spot. The second one was a fourth down, but then the fumble there in the, uh, when they were kind of trying to mount the comeback kind of put the game away in a lot of aspects. But, you know, as far as the Giants, the one thing um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm worried about more than anything in the matchup is just that, you know, Dallas's offense is kind of rolling. It really is. Uh, there, there's a lot to like. And, and you know, Dak Prescott, yeah, they lost to Green Bay two weeks ago. I know that. And Dak Prescott didn't even – he didn't play that well in that game. I mean, they were up 28-14. to 14. He threw a pick in the end zone and threw another pick when they were backed up kind of in their own area that led to points for the Green Bay Packers. So they made mistakes in that football game. But the balance Dallas is showing right now is what scares me for the New York Giants. The Giants aren't a great defense. They've been getting it done with bells and whistles and Wink Martindale being creative and finding ways to just give them a schematical advantage. But this is a matchup where I don't know if there's enough schematics that can get it done. Uh, the Giants are not great at stopping the run. Dallas is really running the ball well. And Tony Pollard's scary. And the pass game for Green Bay... You know, other than like you know, like we talked about in that Green Bay game, there, you know, it's it, it's it's. I mean, for Dallas, it's been clicking here. It's it's been clicking, and C.D. Lamb has come alive. We're seeing a little more of Michael Gallup, so that's where I worry about the Giants. Can the defense stop the bleeding and kind of control the game, or are we going to see Dallas kind of explode like we did last week and what they did to the Minnesota Vikings? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, and we saw that defense explode. Seven sacks of Kirk Cousins. He had never been sacked that many times his entire career. Here's Giants coach. Let's have a listen to Brian Dayball and also quarterback Daniel Jones on the challenges of facing that Cowboys pass rush led by linebacker Micah Parsons. Well, really, Joe, I think it's execution um, because if you get into passing situations against this team, I mean, just put on the tape, there's a ton of negative plays. Um, so if you're playing the game in third and long and second and long or you get behind where you got to try to make up ground, that's a bad spot to be in against this team. Yeah, they're they're good defense. They're fast and physical. Um, good pass rush up front and good players in the back end. They're smart, um, you know, instinctive and uh, make a lot of plays. So uh, we'll have a plan for it. We're confident in, in our ability to attack them. Hey, look, the, the Vikings learned the hard way. If you can't run the ball, they're going to come after you. Yeah, that's right. And they're going to get you. And th- this was, even though they held the Cowboys to three points on that first drive after the, the strip sack from Micah Parsons, that set the tone. And, uh, you, you, you know, the Vikings have been saying we need to get the ball out faster. Well, how much faster can you get the ball out when they're all over you? right after you get the ball in your hands? This isn't classic Kirk Cousins taking too long and the walls close in. They're all over him, and uh, that's what Daniel Jones, you know, we've talked in the past about how he has to accelerate the clock in his head. He's got to make it even faster against the Cowboys. Definitely. You you can't, you know, that that was the beauty of the Green Bay game, and this is the other aspect of the matchup. And, Mikey, I mean, you you talk about this a lot when teams play the Chiefs and, and, you know, that offense in Mahomes, where this is a game where I do look at the, the Giants' offense could be you know, their best defense in this football game as well. Can they run the ball? Can they control the clock? You know, one, just to help their defense out, who I do think is mismatched by the Dallas offense, but two, they got to run the ball for the reasons you heard Dayball talk about. That was the beauty of the Green Bay game. When Green Bay beat Dallas, they can they kept saying, hey, it's second and four. Dallas has to play run defense. They got to respect it. Michael Parsons then doesn't get to play defense at end. He plays linebacker, and that changes the game. You know, your Vikings team last week got stuck in a lot of second and third and longs to where they went, well, it's pretty sure they're going to pass here. Let's put Michael Parsons at defense end, and he just got no chance. He's the best pass rusher in football right now. And, and, and Mike, you know, th- that's where the running the ball and, and me being there in person the first time to see this matchup, the Giants could not protect against Dallas at all. Daniel Jones, if you remember that Monday night game, his scrambling and ability to run and extend plays was really what saved the day. And then, and then that bought some time and whatever else, and Saquon broke a big run there in the third quarter to score a touchdown, and that was kind of the one positive of the day. But you know, they looked a little outclassed in the first matchup. I know it was 23-16, to 16, but I remember sitting there in person going, man, Dallas looks big, Dallas looks fast, and the Giants don't look like they're quite on their level. And I don't think they are on their level. They're going to have to play a game that – you know, control the ball, hope for a turnover here or there. I think if they want to try to win this game, I don't think they're on the same level as the Cowboys. I remember having that vibe watching that game. The Giants are going to win this game. The Cowboys really had to slam the door on them, catch up. Yeah, they kept hanging around. The second half. Yeah. It felt like the Giants were going to prevail. Uh, and uh, this time around, I think the Giants can give them everything they can handle, especially because – I. I mean, these, these just, you know, at the end of the day, 
even though they are impressive physical specimens and they they look almost like space travelers in these new you know, these helmets that they wear now. I mean, it's so futuristic. And I think back to the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and how different a football player looks. But they're still inside human. And they're young. And it's got to be easy for some of those Cowboys players to get caught up in thinking, hey, we're pretty good right now. Hey, you know, we're pretty good. All we got to do is show up. We, I don't got to spend extra time doing that. Eh, we're Kick the crap out of the Vikings. We're pretty good right now. We're just going to continue that. Well, that's and what's the scary. Giants grinding away, grinding away. That's what Dallas, time. right? You know, even in a short week, and and we see that. We see that inconsistency with the Cowboys. Every yeah. time they're riding high, and this this high, there's no dominant team in the NFL right now. There isn't. Every time it looks like a team is dominant, somebody beats them. And uh, the Eagles were looking dominant. They lost. The Bills at one point were looking dominant. They lost. The Vikings were looking dominant at least. Dominant when it comes to what the final score is, not the process of getting there, and they get blown off the field. It, it it shifts and it changes, and we have seven more data points before we get to the spot where we figure out who gets in and who doesn't. One key factor, though, yeah, and maybe he's waiting to see what happens in this one. Right, the future of Odell Beckham Jr. It has felt as if it's closing toward being a done deal. It does seem like Odell it's close. Selecting the Cowboys. Here's Dak Prescott from yesterday, Chris. Let's see if there are any clues from what Prescott said about OBJ that makes us feel even more strongly that Beckham will be wearing a star on the side of his helmet. Here's Prescott. We're getting him in. Hopefully uh, everything's going going great in the recruiting process. Uh, he knows how much um, I've, I've won him here. Uh, and a lot of these guys in this locker room I've seen have reached out on their own in, in different ways to make sure that uh, yeah, he understands that this is a team that he can help, and we want him to come help. Yeah, definitely have sent some messages. I've uh, been a little back and forth, uh, just making sure he understands that, yeah, that, that we want him here. And that, as I said before, I understand it's a business, uh, but right now I guess it's a who can recruit better. Um, and, yeah, I don't know necessarily about what he's looking for when it comes to the numbers and long term and all that, uh, but I know that we want him here and hoping all, it all works out. Mutual, honestly mutual. Um, as I, that, that's the reason I say business is knowing it's more than just somebody's feelings of wanting to be somewhere. So, uh, yeah, understanding that that will come into play, but um, feeling like it's mutual. Chris, this is the ultimate off-field example of a 14-point swing. And he's played it perfectly to set up the Cowboys against the Giants because the Giants haven't given up. And at a minimum, I think the Giants want to force the Cowboys to pay more than they want to pay. If the Giants really don't want him, and it's hard to tell, it's a new regime, but it's still the same ownership. I'm surprised Beckham wants, would even want to go back to the Giants, given that the ownership is still the same and ownership wasn't thrilled with him when he was there. And Eli Manning, and there was friction between Beckham and Manning. He's still involved in the team. Uh, it may just be Beckham is playing one against the other to get the most he possibly can from Jerry Jones. But it's fascinating. The two primary contenders for OBJ are squaring off tomorrow. They're in the same division. They're fighting for the same positioning. And whoever gets him is going to be better and will keep their rival, their arch rival, from getting better in the process. Fascinating mid-season free agency tug of war playing out before our eyes. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a little you know rivalry within the rivalry here and, and certainly could help out both teams. I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the fact that, like, Odell, I'm surprised with the whole Giants thing as well. I had heard that, that there was interest in him, like the Giants, not necessarily from the Giants, but that Odell had kind of had the Giants on his radar early on, on in this whole process here. And, 
You know, I, I was a little surprised to hear that, too, with the way things ended. And I was also wondering the same thing you were. Like, would the Giants even really want him back? I mean, from pure football reasons, it makes sense. It does, especially for the way their team is right now. They want to run the ball. You know, Daniel Jones runs the ball. Saquon runs the ball. Teams play man-to-man. They don't really have that guy that can scare you. Darius Slayton's kind of emerged as that guy. So that's where it makes sense. I don't know if it necessarily makes sense for Odell, though. I don't think the Giants are ever going to be a team that's going to really be like throw the ball 40 times a game. We're going to play through Odell and the passing game and make things happen that way. That's where I would be like it's a little dicey as far as the Odell decision there. You could end up going to the Giants and playing a lot of games where I feel like, yeah, you could come away and Saquon runs the ball 25 times. Daniel Jones runs the ball 14 or 15 times. A few other guys and you go, yeah, you only got two or three targets today. Dallas, I feel like there's a better opportunity for him to be on the field and get the ball on a, on a more regular basis, especially with the way they're playing right now. So that's where I, I'm with you. I feel like it's kind of going that way. He's from that region of the country. We talked about that the other day. I'm just surprised that Buffalo has seemed to have escaped the conversation here, which I don't understand. Uh, but uh, I understand Dallas wanting him, and I think there is a, a real you know, need for him to to get them over the top to make them a real Super Bowl football team. The first word of Beckham flirting with the Giants emerged earlier this year after Sterling Shepard yeah, got hurt. his ACL. Right. He went to visit Shepard, and it wasn't technically a visit to the team. It wasn't reported by the team as a visit because he didn't meet with any coaches or executives or personnel other than Shepard. And I know that there are some in the league that still think that should have been officially reported by the Giants. It doesn't really matter. Everybody knew he was there. But uh, the bottom line is he went back there. He was there. And he talks to Shepard. Shepard says, I talk to him every day. We don't talk about his decision too much. He knows we want him here. He would love to be here, but everything has to play out for that to happen. There's a whole bunch of intangibles that have to play out for him to be here. I understand that. This is a business, and his business has got to be right for him to do it. And uh, uh, Shepard was asked the question of, will the winner of the game tomorrow have an edge? I don't think it would hurt. To be honest with you, I don't think it would hurt. We'd be coming off a pretty big win, and it definitely wouldn't hurt. I can say that. And uh, remember, week one, Bills-Rams. He joked, whoever wins, that's who I'm signing with. He may be not joking going into this one. Cowboys-Giants, whoever wins is the one that he's signing with. It's the sign. You know, we always look for a sign when we can't make up our minds. Show me a sign. What better sign than the two contenders squaring off in an athletic competition and one winning and the other losing? There's yeah. your sign. We got, we got to, I got to see it. I got to, I got to see it to believe it, really, as far as the Giants beating Dallas. I do. Uh, that, I, I just I, – I have a, like – I have a, a hard time thinking that's going to happen, you know, when I just look at the matchup overall. And I, I get into the, the question again is, like, you know, first off, the first matchup, we didn't even have Cooper Rush, right? You got Dak Prescott this time. Remember in the first matchup, the Giants got away with all those holding calls down the field. Remember that? That was kind of the theme of the game. Like, what, the Gi- they're not going to call penalty on the Giants tonight? I remember sitting there in the – and let alone there was people open a few times and they didn't hold where I was like, oh, man, if that was Dak Prescott, the Giants would have been screwed right there. Oh, my gosh, right? So that's where I get into it. And that's where I get into back to that Giants run game. Like, yeah, can, can the Giants run the ball? 
on Dallas Cowboys. I don't think they're going to be able to. I think Dallas is going to crowd the line of scrimmage, and they're going to put the game into Daniel Jones' hands and go, can you in the passing game beat us? And that's you know now the next you know piece of this puzzle. And I just don't think the Giants have enough pieces in that puzzle to scare the Cowboys in the pass game enough. As we just discussed, Darius Slayton's really the only guy that if you're playing bump man-to-man where you go, ooh, man, this could be a little scary. This guy could run by me and go to the house. Other than that, there's nobody that exists on their roster that's like that. And I just think that's tough against a Dallas team that's got some really good cover guys and some, you know, a pass rush and all that. So I guess what I'm saying, Mike, is I don't know. If if the Giants can't run the ball, I I I don't know how they win the game, I guess that's what I'm saying. And, you know, that's a theme that has been relevant all year. Run the ball, stop the run. And you're right. If you can't run the ball against the Cowboys, you're going to have Michael Parsons and company all over you, and it's going to be very difficult to get the passing game. Can they replicate Justin Fields and the Bears and what they did a little bit? You know, that's the other thing, too, that we saw. That gave them some issues. Yeah, crowd the line of scrimmage, but he's faking the run here, and a quarterback that's got some speed and enough to get on the edge and scare us that way. You know this. You know maybe maybe the Giants will have answers in that department, but uh, I just I, I have a hard time believing that. And again, even with Dallas, I know they lost two weeks ago to Green Bay, but even watching that game back and everything, I mean, I just you know there was no question in my mind they were the more talented team on the field. They just had some game plan issues that I think if they played them again, they'd readjust. And Dak Prescott didn't play well in that game. Um, I, I look at Dallas to be yeah, a little bit of another class compared to the Giants. Well, thanks to the fact that we wasted about 13 minutes, and it wasn't wasted. It was time well spent good talk Thanksgiving. And about 15 minutes on each of the first two games, I have minimized the amount of time that we have allotted to talk about the last game of the day. And that was strategic on my no. part because I don't want to hear you talking about how the Patriots are going to kick the crap out of the Vikings. But you know what? There's an angle to this one that hasn't really gotten a lot of attention. And this is one of the realities of short week. Kevin O'Connell, the first-year coach of the Vikings, was drafted by Bill Belichick. In the third round, back in, what year was it? 2008. Um, so that's something that, that a guy who Belichick once said put his name on the card, he's going to come here as one of the various backup quarterbacks to Tom Brady. He now gets a crack at being the first Vikings coach to face the Patriots without Tom Brady. That's the last time the Vikings beat the Patriots, the 2000 season, with Brady on the roster but not on the field. The Vikings won that game. They had a like a seven-game winning streak to start the season, and that season culminated in 41-0. Not 40-3, 41-0 against the Giants in MetLife Stadium in the NFC Championship, but that was the last year the Vikings beat the Patriots. They are 0-5 against the Patriots since then. Every one of those games, Tom Brady played quarterback. Now they get a crack at them without Tom Brady. O'Connell, the coach, and... Um, so what do you I, think? Do you I think your do you think your I team the, can move the look, ball on them? You think you guys can like move no, the ball consistently no, up? Yeah, I mean, no. I, that's a big question. Not without Christian Derrissaw. Yeah. Not without Christian Derrissaw. Right. You know, you got Justin Jefferson saying yesterday we need to get the ball out more quickly, and it wasn't a criticism of Kirk Cousins. He's not that way. They need to get the ball out more quickly. Yeah. They need to get open fast enough for Kirk Cousins to spot a guy and get rid of it. I I just I just don't think. It's going to work. I, they're not going to be able to run the ball. They're not going to be able to pass the ball. And they're not going to hold the Patriots to three points. It's not the Jets' defense. The Vikings' defense has quietly been a major liability. 
They just can't stop anybody. No. And and the thing that alarmed me the most, Chris, we talked about it. Jordan yeah. Hicks covering Tony Pollard. Uh, a, a play that was specifically installed for that game because they saw something on film. Yeah. The Ed Donatel defense right. has been bend but don't break. And on Sunday it was break and break some more. And I think it's going to break some more on Thursday night when Belichick and company take further advantage of the holes that they find in that in that scheme. And I yeah. just think it's – I look, it's – hey, it starts out tied. We'll see how long it stays tied. But I think it's going to be a long night for the Vikings. Well, it, it, it's uh, it, certainly, you know, a tough matchup for them. I mean, we, we always discuss it's a matchup league. And, you know, the, the first thing you look at is, yeah, the Minnesota defense. It hasn't been good. You guys have been pretty good at keeping teams out of the end zone. But the thing I worry about and what we saw them struggle with last week where it's a little different than like Buffalo, where Buffalo you didn't really have to worry about a run game and you could play pass defense for the majority of the game. You know, Dallas, there was the worry of, wait, we, we got to worry about the run and they can just bludgeon us in the run game. And now, oh, wait, now we got to put a linebacker man-to-man on a running back out of the backfield that we don't like because we're so worried about stopping all the gaps in the run game to now we're a little vulnerable in the pass game. Now, the Patriots are not as explosive as the Cowboys. That's the positive thing there. But there is balance, and we know their offense is good enough to you know, put, put passes and plays together here to where they can drive the field. So that's where at least I give like your Minnesota defense a little bit of a chance is just the lack of explosiveness from that Patriots offense is different than Dallas last week, certainly. And, you know, I, I think that's where you can hang in there. But the big thing is that you're talking about is that Patriots defense. Patriots defense is playing amazing football right now. You take away just the Bears unveiling the quarterback runs for the first time in Justin Fields' career on that Monday night. And then you go to the two games before that and the games after that. Man, nobody's scoring points on the Patriots right now. They are playing unbelievable pass defense and run defense. They got size. Judon is arguably the best pass rusher in football right now. They can play man-to-man coverage. And they're one of the best zone coverage teams in football as well. And that's where they pose a lot of problems and yeah I, I i could see it be tough sledding for kirk cousins and justin jefferson throughout the day and, and think about this the bears beat the patriots 33 to 14 in that first game after an 11 day break following a loss to the commanders that resulted in plenty of people saying why aren't you using design runs yes with this incredible dual threat quarterback who makes it look easy when he takes off with the ball. And whether they decided it on their own or whether they heard the outside noise that they claimed to ignore, they started using design runs. They gave Bill Belichick a curveball. So I wonder this, Chris. Yeah. With only four days in between games. you know, And th- this gets back to the fact that O'Connell was in New England for a year. That's long enough to get an idea. You were there for a year or so. You got an idea of how the sausage gets made. I wonder if there are wrinkles that were devised in the summertime that were held back just for this game, that this is going to be a tendency shifter because he knows what Belichick will do to that offense based upon what's on film from the first 10 games. So they got to have something else ready. Now, again, it would be helpful to have Christian Derisaw playing left tackle, but I just can't help but wonder whether or not they're going to do some unexpected stuff 
unexpected by the Patriots and obviously unexpected by the rest of us that that may be the only key to kickstart the offense because there's enough film there now. They know what they do. I've mentioned this before. A friend of mine that grew up in Minneapolis is an extremely ardent fan of the Vikings has been scared to death of this game because this is the game where the O'Connell offense gets exposed. Well, that ended up being Sunday against the Cowboys, but I, I, you know, what does Belichick know? What will he be ready to do? And will there be zigging to the expected zagging? And will O'Connell have some wrinkles? I I think that's the game within the game here. And as I've said multiple times, it's going to be harder to execute without your best offensive lineman available there to give Kirk Cousins a little more time to let things work. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, Mike, uh, traditionally, you know, you don't know, or I, you know, I, I don't know of teams that kind of like hold things back, right? Like and go, wait, I know we got to play on Thanksgiving. Maybe during the bye week, maybe that that could be a time where they could have maybe taken a day or two and said, hey, let's just dive into New England a little bit here and just you know get a base plan together, see if there's some things we can maybe uh, you know trick them with game plan shots, whatever. Maybe that could go on certainly, uh, but but. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I look at that as being a huge part of the game plan. And even Kevin O'Connell being there, sure, he knows how things are made. But it's a man. It's it's a different staff now, right? They they they're so you know they're so like always changing up in New England and doing things. It's just so different now compared to then. And they've evolved. That's why they're so good. Bill, you know, hey, this is cover three in 2007, and cover three in 2022 is different up in New England. You know, they teach it differently. The, the, the league has changed. Offense has changed. So that's where it's, it, it's interesting. But to your point with New England, that should always be part of the equation. And you, I mean, I am huge into you play New England. One of the biggest things you got to do is self scout yourself because they're going to know you as good as you know you by the end of the week. So you better have a few things to go. Wait, we always do this when we're in this formation. We always do this when we're in for this formation. This week we're going to do that and that and that and keep them off guard that way. And uh, maybe that's that's what I think we can look for. Now, what is that? I don't know. I don't know, but they got a tough task in front of them here because this is a game where you know New England's got enough big people in, up front to where they don't have to go all out and crowd the line of scrimmage to stop the run game. They should be able to play it pretty straight up, and that, of course, then leaves some people in the back end to stop Thielen and, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. But I do think a big, of a big part of this game really is goes to your defense, the Vikings defense. Can they show up and make life hard on a below-average New England Patriots offense and you know use your defense to keep them in the football game and make it a defensive struggle type of football game where then, hey, Kirk Cousins gets it in the fourth quarter late in prime time on John Madden Thanksgiving and wins for Mike Florio. That's what you got to hope for right there. <laughs> prime well, time we'll Kirk on Thanksgiving hope, hope, hope in one hand and crap in the other and see which one fills up first let's go ahead and take a break when we return Demora Smith the NFLPA executive director strongly hinted in an interview with PFTPM last month that there would be a collusion claim filed over the refusal to give certain quarterbacks fully guaranteed contracts That claim has been filed. It's come to light. We'll tell you what's going on with it and give you some of our thoughts when PFT Live continues right after this.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.